Hello and welcome, fellow creatives. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging and inspiring you to keep creating. Thanks for joining us on this journey to explore all things creative. I'm Derek Wagner. And I'm Riley Peterson. And this is the Living Creativity Podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for hanging out with us while we finish off the conversation with Elise Holm. Picking up where we last left off, we hear more about what it takes to be a special education teacher, how creativity is instrumental in designing individualized instruction for students with disabilities, and some of the other creative pursuits that Elise is involved in on the side. We hope you enjoy. Now let's get to the show. Absolutely. It it gives you a little bit of pride in yourself, doesn't it? You know, you're like, Mm -hmm. wow, like I added value to the world by doing this. You know, and I think that fundamentally is true. And I don't even think that that like, I think it's especially true if you're putting your stuff out there in some form or another. But also, like. I I think the world just is at some metaphysical level, just like fundamentally better by virtue of you having been actively creating like I really do. Like, I, I think there's something about just us as people and how we're oriented and how the world works that when we engage in creativity, that it has just a net positive effect 100 percent. and the other thing too at least that i've noticed for myself is when there's something that was very difficult like a very mm. difficult problem or it took a lot of learning and growing and developing myself in order to actually have a final product of my creativity or whatever you know whatever the the end product was that it's it's so much more memorable and and it's actually almost more fulfilling once you know like I like I solved that problem and it took all this time to do it but I I was actually able to do that like there's a huge satisfaction that I, I think of again I'm always gonna come back to my my kids but yeah it's like I think that's why there's so, for parents when they see their kids do something like they're graduating high school or college and it's like they're so proud. Because that's some of the most difficult things that you can possibly do in your life is raise children and raise them up right. Yeah. And, Dude, I yeah. felt that way when I finally got my daughter potty trained. <laughs> that was yeah, a long process. It was like, but it that's was like. My own sons are huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, you do, you, you put a ton of energy and, and investment into it and you're just like, you're problem solving, right? You're like, okay, how can I get this? You know, we need to stop having accidents. We need to stop wearing pull-ups or, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And finally it's like, wait, she just went and got on the toilet by herself. Like, that's amazing. Holy smokes. Like you I, I like <laughs> went to go help her and everything after the fact. And I'm like on my knees looking at her. I'm like, you did it. Like, and mm-hmm. she does like, I, I mean, I think she felt pride in it, but she's kind of like, okay, like what? Like, I don't I'm know like, why this is a big <laughs> deal, dad. And like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but it is, it's, it's, I I think that there, the the satisfaction seems to be proportionate to the amount of effort you have to put into it, right? There it is. Mm -hmm. You just took what I said and went like, boom, distilled it. Good job. I'm learning more and more that that's, that's a hallmark of a good writer. It's like, how can I take the most words and say them in the fewest words? That's hard to do though, especially for someone as verbose as I am. Oh goodness. Yeah, it's not a skill of mine. My wife does it pretty well. 
She's really good. So you're taking this concept and you're like, she puts it in one sentence. And I'm like, yeah, like that. Like, why didn't you say that? Because I, my brain doesn't work like that. Yeah. I need to explain in five different ways why I feel that one way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's that's how I am. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. So there was one other thing I thought kind of was kind of related to the technology and AI and all that stuff. So one of the things that I'm just seeing it from my perspective here, but like Google was huge because there was, it created this option to transfer knowledge uh, via data, via like um, almost like you could do it autonomously, right? There's like transfer of knowledge and I didn't have to have any human interaction to do so, but it didn't it still doesn't fully replace human transfer of knowledge, right? And so if I look at AI and it's like AI is capable of doing more, like it's capable of, you know, taking what's already out there and just, you know, regurgitating it and calling it art. So it makes me wonder, you know, is AI that it's kind of a similar thing where it's going to like, it can only, it can, it can replicate, but it, it's never going to replace. And that's the thing yeah. that, I'm hoping that it is capable of doing a lot of things, but not able to replace the actual human transfer of creativity, the human transfer of understanding, or, you know, one artist being inspired by another artist. Cause that's yeah. how, how it all works is this transfer. Like I was really inspired by that art or that, like that song, um, the way you sang, the way you wrote this book, I mean, it's just this inspiration and then it, you just like want to reflect it back out, but just in your own way. So those are some of, some of the thoughts that I had. I don't know what, if you guys have anything else to add, but. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think that that's one of the things that really does give me hope about it. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that, at least from my purview, which I might not be, you know, seeing far off uh far enough out but i i just don't think that there's ever going to be the ability for ai to replace the human element you know i think yeah. it might might try to imitate it it might you know you might be able to approximate it but i i just think that there's something fundamentally human in the creative creative work of humans and yeah uh i think that that's kind of just an inevitable part of humanity i don't know i also for me I, and this is probably like it was probably a weird thought, but I also, I think I also want it to be like, I like the idea. It was one of your podcasts, Derek, you mentioned how, like how you can use it as a writer mm-hmm. and like, it's not, you're not using it in the sense that it's giving you a story, but you're using it to help edit you and your own writing as you go along or whatever. And I think that that is, I do see the benefit of that. And I get what you're saying about using it that way. but as long as you who has a talent in writing is using it. Like, I think mm-hmm. I like the idea that anyone can use it to write a story or anyone can be a songwriter. Like that's to me, certain people mm-hmm. have talents and, and I feel like it devalues people and their natural talents. Yeah. If anyone can do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that yeah. maybe that's, and that might be a little selfish of me to say that. No, no. 
But like, I remember working on a song with Riley, like on the computer, like putting together drum drums and guitar and stuff like that. And, and yes, that is a form of creating a song, but I didn't make any music. I did not do any of those recordings. Those are not my, that's not my music, but I just created this banging like beat, but did I create it or did I just put stuff together? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's kind of where, cause I would never consider myself a songwriter, but I know other people do that same thing and they do. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but you didn't create, you know what I mean? Like you don't know how to play guitar. You don't know how to play the piano or the drums or whatever, you know, you just know how to work a computer yeah. yeah. and anyone can learn. You know what I mean? Like, See, I, and that that's, I think that's one of the things for me that there's just so many, like you, you can chase the technology question down so many rabbit holes to be, to, to ask those same questions, you know, like, well, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I think that I heard some people say that it was kind of a false equivalency when I had compared, you know, like a, a quill and ink to jumping forward to a typewriter or something, you know, it's like, well, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not, it, it's orders of magnitude different. And it's like, I acknowledge that. I don't think it's like a perfect analogy, but I do think that, you know, the, the further forward that you go with technology, the more, that these questions arise as far as like, well, what is our relationship with technology and how much is the, the product that you've created at the end of it, a consequence of the technology or of the person. And I think those are hard questions because we don't exactly know. I mean, I think that there's like in the legal system, courts are talking about, you know, like, so like I've mentioned this in a previous episode, but AI art can't be copyrighted. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if it was AI generated, then it can't be copyrighted, but like, let's say you're uh, writing a book, right. And you used AI to help generate words for that, that you're putting in the book. Um, I think if I remember correctly, there was uh, like a court said that, well, there has to be like a minimal like percentage of, of human work that has to have gone into it in order for it to be copyrighted. So there's like lines and stuff that, that allude to the same problem, the same question that we're asking I don't, at the end of the day, I don't know what the right answer is. All I know is that, you know, I, I think that fundamentally, you know, humans are like, I think that's just what we do. We're just creative. Like even the most mm-hmm. non-creative among us, I think are still engaged in some form of creativity or another, you know? Yeah. Um, I just think our there's very existence no is a creative act. Yeah, right? absolutely. I, yeah. I, yeah, there's no getting away from it fundamentally. So, um, I don't know these are such interesting questions such you can and you can go on forever you know chasing it down and everything and and i think at the end of the day there's going to be so many things that we just can't even anticipate that are going to impact this you know there's like like we've as we've discussed before like five six you know seven years ago when people were first kind of sounding the alarms at least to me that the, the alarms that i had heard about uh ai's coming and everything else you know like we got to prepare it was all like the blue collar jobs right like uh clerks and uh, cashiers and truck drivers and things like that you know and no one expected it to come out and start like threatening creative people like Mm -hmm. everyone everyone who i think speculated on it would have thought that the artists and the writers and the actors and all that would be the last to go but mm-hmm. we Dang. seem to be like, <laughs> for some reason, like the, the first on the chopping block and it's interesting, you know? And I, I, it's, yeah. it, I don't know. It, it, it's such a strange world. Such <laughs> reality is definitely stranger than fiction. Let's say <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could, no one could have written this better. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's cool. 
So well, I'm, I, I, I'm sure that we could go on the, the AI topic for, you know, yeah. another hour and a half, but, um, <laughs> you know, you mentioned that you're trying to get back into writing and you're in, into other things creatively. And so I'm, I'm guess I'm curious, like, what, what are you dabbling? <laughs> um, so yeah, I dabble in creative writing, um, painting, um, baking, decor, like cake decorating, um, I really like redoing furniture. Um, I've been thinking about getting into tattoos lately. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I really, I love art. And so a lot of times, like if I see an idea through technology on TikTok <laughs> or on Pinterest or somewhere, if I see it, um, you know, a lot of times I'll try and recreate it. And so, I'll, you know, I'll do research and get going on that. Um, I think what I do the most probably is painting and baking. Those are probably like my two. Awesome. Yeah. You mentioned the the baking thing earlier. I think that's fantastic. I relate to cooking. You know, I started uh, cooking all the time as a parent and stay at home dad and everything and fell in love with it quite a bit. It's, it's really fun to, to, to do. So that's exciting. Um, Yeah. Painting. I'm, I'm terrible at painting though. So I'm not very good (laughs) either, but it's really fun. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if it's just the way that my, my brain's wired that when I try to paint and I'm bad at it, I just want to quit doing it. So yeah, it's funny though, cause <laughs> writing, it didn't work like that for me. It's like, Oh, that sucked, but I think I can make it better, you know? And so I, I was continually drawn towards, towards writing despite the fact that yeah. at first I sucked, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's so cool though. Cause I, I notice this in a lot of creative people, but, um, you know, I, I, Emily, we talked to Emily, we talked to, uh, oh no, I'm drawing a blank on the name. <sighs> Who's the marketing? Lindsay? Lindsay. Lindsay. There we go. Yeah. Lindsay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I feel terrible forgetting your name. Um, but I, like n- time and time again, we run into creative people who are just into a lot of creative things. And I think mm-hmm. that's really fun. I think it's a unique part about being a creative person is you've got this like scattershot of interests that, you know, <laughs> My wife, who she's she's definitely creative in her own right, but she's also you know tends to be really uh, like uh, orderly and structured and and conscientious, which is typically juxtaposed with with uh, openness and creativity and everything. But like, I'll talk to her about other things that I'm interested in or whatever, and she's like, you know, Derek, you're like going outside the box. You gotta like, we're in the box. You gotta stay in the box. I'm like, no, not in the box. <laughs> that's funny that's funny i'm really yeah, passionate irish. about irish jigs okay <laughs> <laughs> that's my new thing all right i aspire to be type a but i am not at all yeah wow. i i've i've yeah. developed a lot more um structure and and forced myself into a lot more discipline and whatnot but it's definitely not a natural inclination of mine mm-hmm. and um I benefit a lot from it, but I also tend to resist it a lot. I'm like, no, yeah. I don't want to be there. There was a, there's a YouTube channel called a corridor crew. Um, and they, they're basically this group that they do a whole bunch of, um, like video design and animation and all that stuff, you know, like CGI, whatever. And, um, visual effects, let's say it's broadly speaking, it's visual effects artists. And, I, I watched a ton of their, their videos and stuff on YouTube, just funny shorts kind of reminds me of the types of videos that we would make with like Jordan back in high school and stuff. Just, you know, goofy little short videos of us like playing chess or, you know, (laughs) 
pretending to hold each other up with a fake gun and everything. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, I went through a phase watching all of those YouTube videos and I was like, I'm really interested in this. Like maybe I should learn how to do this skill. But then I was like, wait a minute, how much time do I want to invest in learning visual effects when mm-hmm. I need to be writing? So <laughs> I had to narrow my focus back down, but it's still really interesting. And I, I love to learn about it. Yeah. I think that's my thing too, is trying like, what do I want to focus on? Because I tend to hop hobby hop a lot. Yeah. Which is fun because I feel like you get to explore a lot of different things and have a lot of exposure to things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is fun. But like you said, you can't like refine one thing if you're jumping around too much. And, and it like in my line of work, structure is everything like my kids and they thrive Mm -hmm. in structure. Right. And so I really do have to have structure for them, but behind the scenes, it's, it's a hot mess. (laughs) (laughs) do you feel like do you feel for yourself that you thrive in structure or do you uh like it more chaotic i feel like i'm a lot less anxious when i have structure Mm. but i feel like i do thrive in organized chaos like i am someone that's getting something my deadline's at midnight i'm getting it done at 11 57 like that is and i I always do well when I do that and it's not the best habits. It's something that I am trying to change, but I do feel like I thrive in it and I Mm. don't know why. (laughs) Yeah. I, I struggle with procrastination pretty heavily. Um, but I, I also have similar experiences where it's like, okay, it needs to be done by this time. Having a deadline as yeah, yeah, that that's when I'm like, okay, I I, has to be done, has to be done. Yeah. And I've realized even with like home projects, even the stuff I'm doing right now, I, I have a horrible tendency to start something, but not actually finish it. So that's when it dawned on me that I need to start setting deadlines for myself. Like this thing has to get done this day. And so then if I know that, then I'm going to be doing what I can to finish it before the deadline. Um, and having somebody, and also the thing we talked about Derek, which I think I mentioned this last time, was accountability. Yeah. Like, like having being even with the podcast, like being able to make sure that we're still, you know, producing content and we're still coming up with ideas and we're still, you know, um, setting up interviews and doing all that stuff, uh, making sure our recordings are working out, like all that stuff. If you don't like it, there's I can tell you if if it was just me doing the podcast like it there's no way that i would have been able to maintain it up to now where it's like where we are now like every week mm-hmm. i would have been like slacking on like oh i gotta still produce that or i still gotta you know get that intro recorded and it could have been you know a week or a couple of weeks late because but having somebody that you know on the other end who's like you're accountable to is huge yeah um, i agree very motivating yeah, I uh, recently rediscovered for myself uh, the utility of deadlines with writing um, twofold because one, I've been doing freelance work uh, and so you have to, you know, get that in on a deadline. So that's, you know, part of it. But also I, I'm part of a writing group and we've all, you know, taken turns submitting uh, scenes and, and basically we used to everyone submit once a week and then we would all you know, kind of review each other's and talk over at the same time. We kind of realized we're like, you know, Hey, we, maybe we need to start doing larger chunks and just like, okay, someone's going to submit 25,000 words. 
and we're going to take, you know, four or five weeks, read it, review it, and then come back. And that whole meeting that following Monday is going to be all about that person's work and trying to help them make it better. And so now everyone else has gone through the process except me. And uh, I've just been, you know, a little bit like I haven't had the time to get everything polished up and, and fixed up the way that I needed to, but they're super encouraging. They're like, you know, Oh, Hey, it's like no rush, but you know, maybe here upcoming after uh, Sean's done, then you can, you can pop yours in. And I was like, I don't know. It sounds like not very much time, you know? And, but then I started thinking, I was like, no, I do want that feedback. Like I really want it. So I'm going to take that. That's going to be my deadline. And so over the last like week, I like the, the place that I was stuck was the beginning hook of the story first quarter of it. And I had so much work that needed to be done and I was just procrastinating and it was, you know, a struggle and all these other things. But then I was like, I have to get through it. And so over the course of like two or three days, just burned through it, got it all finished up. (laughs) Um, And then next couple of days after that started tearing into the middle build one of the book and everything. So it's like, all right, cool. Yeah. Deadlines. Let's do those more. (laughs) That works. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. They work. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard because, um, my, my sense is that, uh, like highly open people who not, don't even like structure to begin with, but also don't particularly like deadlines. You know, I think that's why there's, there's like a, the idea of like the, the writer that gets with a professional publisher and, you know, they have to write their book on deadline and that becomes like a really a pain point for them. Right. Mm. It's like, I get that, you know, it's hard. Cause then you have to like produce on a timeline and creativity is fickle and the muse and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, at the same time, you know, like you have to show up and be a professional. You know, we talked about that yep. with Ryan, you know, it's yep. like, absolutely. You have to show up. You have to sit your butt down at your desk and you have to write as Elise. I'm sure very well knows she has yeah. to show up. You have to show yeah. up. She's got right? You have to and show up and make it happen. It all. Yeah. She's got to have it all in yeah. order and be like, Hey, we know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah and i definitely feel like like i feel like a mess if i'm not there a half hour before school starts like that is my routine at school is i have to be there 30 minutes before if i'm there 15 minutes before the kids it's chaos and it's just that that's just something that's part of my routine that i have to have yeah yeah so it's you know you you have to figure it out for yourself what works for you and your own personality right and figure out as it relates to maybe work or, or a creative thing that you're working on. It's like, what are the circumstances that I can put myself in that are going to lead to the most success? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's hard to figure out though, because it requires, well, I guess it requires a little bit of creativity, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> you're like, this is how I create Find flexibility. Yeah. You know, Cause things happen like life happens and then throws you curveballs, and then you have to adjust. Yeah. But if you crumble every time life throws you a curveball, then, you know, I'd be dust by now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Having Good that story. adaptability is so crucial. And having and I think a lot of times space creative people have that more naturally. Like they're they're yeah. able to adjust. I don't know that I know a lot of like type A people who are also super creative and vice versa. Like Yeah. That they they're I don't think they're mutually exclusive, but I no, do no, think no, no, no. that I do think that it is not as common, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. On, on like the personality scales, like the big five that I've, I've mentioned before, um, you can, the, the, it tends to be that the more, uh, you know, conscientious, the more orderly and industrious you are, 
um, you know, that's leads. I think so. It's associated like with uh, more like conservative uh, thinking, and it's also more like rigid, more black and white. Um, you know, rigid structures and systems and that sort of thing. Um, openness, which is what tends to be the affliction of most creative people, <laughs> is uh, you know like free flow of ideas and lack of structure and, you know, no borders, no boundaries and just let all the information and all that stuff just flow. And, you know, all the creative people are listening are like, yes. (laughs) um, Yeah. It's, they, they tend not to like, usually someone's like for me, like on, when I take a personality test of the big five, uh, it's like uh, conscientiousness is like, you know, it's something like 38, 40%, you know, 40 percentile. And my openness is usually something like, you know, 80 to 90% uh, 80th or 90th percentile. So it's like, yeah, they, they tend not to go hand in hand. Cause I think that they are a little bit like opposite one another, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that there's some person out there who's like insanely industrious and conscientious and also insanely creative. I just don't know. Well, and it probably <laughs> depends on why you're conscientious. Like, are you conscientious because you have anxiety and so you mm. overthink everything? Or are you conscientious because that's just naturally how you are and you have that gift? Because I yeah. think that, like, some people, like, I do think that being type A and having that organization is a gift. Oh, it really is, yeah. And I feel like when I was a kid, I was hyper-organized, but it's because I was freaking anxious all the time. I was worried about being late all the time. So I was... I was overly thinking every single step I was making to make sure I had it absolutely perfect. And if it didn't, I would freak out. But yeah, I don't, it's, it wasn't natural for me. It was, it was all anxiety run. And so when I like, now that I feel like I'm healing in my anxiety and stuff like that, and not to say I don't have anxiety, but I'm, I've learned how to deal with a lot better now. I'm a lot more free than I was when I was seven. That's awesome. And it wasn't natural for me, but there are some people who it's completely natural and it's like, it's not a struggle to be organized. It's just who they are. And then, and those people I'm sure have creative things that they do that they're able to maintain that organization and still be, still let that free flowing happen in an organized way. Yeah. Yeah. My, my wife is very type A. She's very like when I, she took a, a personality test, her conscientiousness was like 95th percentile. So she's oh extremely, extremely type A, extremely conscientious. And I, it is a tremendous blessing because um, of the personality types uh, it's the number one predictor of like financial success. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, conscientious people are set up to just work like dogs, you know, and they work hard and they're organized mm-hmm. and they know how to get stuff done. You know what I mean? Right. Like w- what the, the open people are like the visionaries. They're like the idea people. They're like the, you know, what could be, but they have no freaking clue how to get there. <laughs> they're yeah. just like, this is, this is how things could be. And then it takes the, the, the type A to be like, but do you have a plan? <laughs> yeah. Well, how are you going to get there? I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's me. I'm always like, Hey, what about this? Melinda's like, well, have you thought about that? No, not really. <laughs> no. I, haven't, I haven't thought it through, I guess. Let's say. But I do that. <laughs> it's just an idea i do ideas all the time i live in the world of right. ideas okay like i'm the idea man you're the one who helps me come make it come to fruition yeah 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 <laughs> definitely so i'm act i actually want to touch more on your career and kind of want to get more into like how you use your creativity within your within your job so yeah. one of the things that you had mentioned earlier 
in our conversation was how when you were doing the internship as a para that you were able to start, you know, or able to build a connection with specific kids. And now that you're a teacher, do you, um, and you do have, you know, your, your life skills kids for, for most of the day, do you feel like you're able to still build connections, like do that one-on-one or is it more difficult now because you are a different position? Um, I think it's, I still am able to build those relationships um, because I get to have so much one-on-one time with the kids. And I I really value that. And I think it's super important. And even in the resource room, my first year, my caseload was 51 kids and which is a lot, but I feel, I mean, I still remember all of them. I could tell you individual stories about all of them, you know, like I still feel like I was able to have that. Um, And I think we get more of those opportunities in special ed, which I'm very grateful Mm. for. And I think teachers work their damnedest to build those relationships too. But, um, they just, they have a lot, they just have so many different priorities than what I have on my plate compared to what they have on their plate. And it's just, it's different. And I, I could see why, like, it would be more, more of a struggle in a genetic classroom to build those yeah. relationships with all of the kids. So are you bound to like a lesson plan kind of like gen ed is, or is it really, like you said, customized to each individual? I do make my lesson plans, but yeah, they are a lot more individual. Like my, I have. So my, my schedule is set up for eight kids. I have my eight kids, my eight students. And then yeah. I also have me and three paras. Well, it was three, now it's two until we hire a third one. Um, so two paras that I have to build schedules for. So I have three of our schedules. And then those are broken down because I have certain kids going to different places. Like some of my kids are have inclusion. And so they go into gen ed for part of the day for certain things. And so I have to build those schedules too. And so that takes a while to get that all figured out. Once I have it figured out, it's pretty much set. But I also have kids with like health stuff going on. So when that stuff happens, that lesson plans out the window for the day sometimes because, wow, you know, something happened, you know, um, I have kids with seizures and stuff like that. And so yeah. that, can, that can totally change our day and it'll change how, what we do with the rest of the kids and all of that stuff. So do you feel that? Or have you experienced where like you feel like the integrity of the lesson, uh, the lesson plan or whatever, like it, it gets compromised often? Or is it like, oh, we had a we had a blow up and it's only like once a month or is it constantly like, OK, now I've got to completely redo this every other day? Not necessarily completely redo it, but always be willing, always be ready to shuffle because mm. yeah, a lot, like a lot of my kids, they have social emotional stuff that we're learning and growing and trying to figure out and a lot most of my kids are in kinder or first grade so they're still even new to school oh, and yeah. um so so yeah right now it's a lot of shuffling and adjusting i mean i had the schedule that was 20 minute blocks of different things but every 20 minutes different something and um then i might have a kid meltdown for 45 minutes out of yeah out of an hour and 20 minutes rotations of centers, you know, and they just melt down, wow. melted down for 40 minutes of that. So how am I going to get that? Where am I going to get that? How am I going to teach them the stuff I was going to teach them in that time later yeah. on in the day? Because that time is now gone. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of adjusting and just so being then, able to do that. Do you plan on just like, okay, I'm going to, we're going to go over this tomorrow. Is that kind of how it works? It gets pushed down the road or? 
No. Well, it depends on what it is. Okay. And, um, and it depends on the situation. So like, um, like behaviors is something that I'm really working on in my classroom. And so, no, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen today because if I wait till tomorrow, he's not going to remember why I'm doing this. Mm. You know, if I give in right now and let him let this situation just happen and don't try and like make it work to the child's benefit, then they're not going to, it's not going to resonate with them later on. Because yeah. a lot of my kids, like they don't have that short term memory mm-hmm. to be able to, to bring back like, okay, this is why this is happening now because I did this three days ago. Yeah. The cause and effect. Yeah. Mm. And yes. I, I work with autistic kids and um, a lot of times kids with autism, they're very black and white. And so it's, it's really not fair to them to make them wait that long Yeah, to, to do the things that I, that they need to do. Yeah. To not address something in the moment. So when you, with your, so in your basic, in your, in your classroom structure, you've got a couple pairs. Normally you'd have three and you kind of divide and conquer. Is that the strategy? So you've got like three or four or five kids that you're, you know, kind of rotating between and helping and doing that one-on-one type of learning. Yes. Teaching. Sometimes it's divide and conquer. And then other times it's um, like, I'm instructing and then the pairs are helping keeping the kids engaged and participating as well right. to get them engaged. Cause there's like that buy-in is huge. If the kids think that if the kids see us excited and amped to do something, they're a lot more amped and likely oh, yeah. to be amped to do it too. And so a lot of times, like when I was starting circle, I mean, I, <laughs> my first day of circle um, and circle is just going over the schedule for the day, the weather, yeah. what's, you know, all of that stuff. Um, singing songs. Um, I had, five kids running in different directions the first day and my parents looking at me were like deer in the headlights like what the hell are we doing what do we do (laughs) and um and it was just like keep the kids in circle time like that is your goal right now that is all I care about keep the kids on the carpet and um and that was the first probably two weeks was just keeping the kids on the carpet and even still sometimes it's go get that kid he just ran on the carpet yeah Um, but now like the kids are singing the songs they're going through the motions and and they know the schedule now. They know to ex- they know their expectations. And so once you once you get those expectations in the classroom, then that's when you really get to see. That's when you can start being creative because you know how to work with kids. You know their triggers. You know how to get them redirected back into what you want them to do. And then you can really start exploring. Okay, what do they know? What do they need to grow in? What do they? What What is something that catches their attention or that gets them excited? And how can I use that? to teach them reading, writing, and math and things like that. So, yeah. So yeah, organization is a huge part of allowing the classroom to be more creative and more fun and really like foster a learning environment. If you can get that organization and schedule under control first. Yeah. It's like, you need to have that, that, yeah, again, having that structure is so key. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it, strikes me how often you know you find in these conversations where it's like finding that balance between you know the the order and the chaos the structure and like the free flow and i i think that it probably looks different for everybody you know what works for them is not necessarily going to work for the next person but it's such an interesting part of being a creative person is trying to figure out that navigate that and exciting yeah like the other day i was sitting in circle and i you know i'm leading it and 
you do it so much that you kind of can start thinking about other things while you're going through the motions of it. And I was just, it was like, I was going through, I was doing the motions and everything, but at the same time, I was like observing the class that I could actually take it in and like see, wow, this kid knows the next song that's coming on and he's saying it before it even starts. And wow, like this kid is doing the motions and this kid who hardly talks is like saying some of the parts of the song. And, and it just, I don't know, like those are like little wins that like, if you walk into the classroom, you might not think that that's that exciting. Like you walk in and you just see, oh, they're doing circle time, like big deal. But you don't see like, cause you didn't get to see all that stuff that led us to that point. Yeah. And it's just really about, it's really exciting to see. That's awesome. I love that. I love the idea of just celebrating the little wins. That's fantastic. I think everybody should do that more. Yeah. I think that yeah, might be a more encouraging way to live. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's something that Derek and I have realized, like we need to, we need to do, you know, take more time to celebrate, you know, almost even in like raising a family or you're even with this podcast, like there's like, we'll, we'll be hitting our 25th episode. And it's like, we should, we should celebrate that. Right. Like we should, <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. We should yeah. something back, like, you know? yeah. Like, so, um, because it's so easy to be like, okay, cool. Hit that milestone. All right. What's next? What are we looking mm-hmm. now? You know? And it's like, we gotta, we gotta learn how to celebrate. And I think, uh, that's an area where I definitely struggle. Yeah. There is an educator that I, um, He's from the Ron Clark Academy. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's an amazing school in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, mm. he used to work at a boys' school for like with behavior stuff before that. And then now he works at Ron Clark Academy. And he's an amazing public speaker. And um, his name is Troy Kemp. And he said that he does this five, three, two thing every single night. And it's where he meditates for five minutes. Okay. He says three things he's thankful for. Yeah. And then uh, the one minute thing I'm blanking on was he do for one minute. He said, so meditates for five, three things he's thankful for. And then maybe it's like one thing he wants to focus on the next day or something like that. And then like, that's, that's his routine every night before he goes to bed. And I was like, that's really good. I want to, so you're always going to bed thinking about things you're thankful for. And I think that that's just a good practice yeah. to have. And three things yeah. should not be hard to come up with every day. No, no. Like three things that, that have been a good thing in your life. I think everybody in this, in existence should learn the skill of practicing thankfulness. Yeah. Yeah. This, this world would be much better off. <laughs> we all learned how to be thankful. Yeah. hundred percent agree. That's awesome. Well, it's getting a little bit late over here. So yeah. we better uh, get wrapped up and everything. But thanks so much for for hanging out with us and chatting. And uh, for me, it's just so fun to see like a different side of creativity. You know, like yeah. And you know, I I think that there's so many ways that people can be creative in their everyday lives. You know, like in the case of being a special ed teacher, you know, you can think of it in a lot of different types of way, but. I don't know if people would often think like, oh, you know, it's a creative thing, but I, I think it fundamentally is. And I think you showed us some of that too. So thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was, it was, it was fun. a pleasure Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the living creativity podcast. 
We hope you found value in today's discussion and are feeling inspired to live out your creative life. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links to any resources we may have mentioned and to join our Discord community where you can connect with other creatives. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any ideas or feedback you'd like to leave us, you can drop it in the appropriate channel on the Discord server, or you can send us an email at livingcreativitypodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us, the best way to do so is by leaving a rating and review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. Thanks again, and as always, keep creating. Keep creating.